This week's episode of Pop Culture Double Date. This week we are here to talk about Westworld, season three, episode seven. Um, I'm going to pass over to Gerald to tell us what the name of the episode was. Um, yeah, and before we do that, say hello, everyone. Uh, Mags, Anna, and Jerry, say hello. 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 Um, Jerry, what was the name of this episode before we get into our full spoilers discussion? Pass. Past porn. That's P A S E D P A W N, not P A S T P O R N. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So, past porn. What happened in this episode? So, the episode. I'll just give a quick recap here again. It's full spoilers, um, and then we'll start talking about our impressions, and maybe we'll delve into a little bit of the um, details of the plot because I'm very confused. But. Um, the episode opens um, with Charlotte Hale giving um, uh, the Japanese Dolores, Japanese Yakuza leader Dolores, a call, um, basically telling Japanese leader Dolores, Yakuza leader Dolores, that Charlotte Hale has now gone rogue and blames Dolores for all her woes. Well, like Dolores looking Dolores for all her woes. Um, and that she's leaked uh, the position of Japanese Dolores to um, enemies, and sure enough, Maeve sends her posse of reanimated hosts to fight um, Japanese Dolores, and they include um, Clementine and the Japanese lady from the episode in, like, Samurai World in Season 2. Anyway, they kill Japanese Dolores and take his head. That's how this episode starts. Um, This episode then goes into... um, The main thrust of this episode is about um, Jesse Pinkman's, Caleb's story, backstory. Um, uh, Dolores takes Jesse Pinkman, Caleb, sorry, to um, a facility in Sonora, Mexico, where basically a... um, they infiltrate this facility and they find out that there are a bunch of um, outliers, basically people that don't fit Serac's model that are being kept in cryostasis or something like that there. And there is also the old AI, the first version of the sort of global AI that um, Serac and his brother built, um, which is called Solomon. And Solomon is there. Anyway, Dolores, in this situation, um, Jesse Pinkman realizes that he has actually been to this facility before, and where, given Jesse Pinkman's backstory in excruciating detail, um, Jesse Pinkman was basically an ex-army guy. He got, he is an outlier, which is why um, Insight, uh, the Serac's company, is interested in him after he comes back from a sort of botched mission in whatever war that they're fighting um uh like so they talk about um how his friend i want to say his friend was lawrence but i can't remember exactly but how his friend died and basically we're told that um jesse pingman's memory was screwed with he thinks that his friend died in this botched uh operation with insurgents or something like that i think um 
But in reality, what happened is that when they came back from the war, they got bored, started using the Grand Theft Auto app to do jobs. And in one of the jobs, um, and basically it's revealed that the Grand Theft Auto ad is set up by Cyrex Company as a means of controlling the outliers that they've re-educated and released back into society. And at one of these jobs, it's uh, the because Jesse Pinkman talked to the guy that he kidnapped in one of these jobs, um, the Insight app tells Jesse Pinkman and his partner to kill each other, and Jesse Pinkman ends up killing his partner, right? And so he's super cut up about that. And um, yeah, anyway, like he goes through all this reconditioning, which means that his memories are sort of fade into each other and he isn't fully aware of this until he reaches this facility and has his memory jogged again. Anyway, as part of all this, like the point of all this is that Dolores wants Jesse Pinkman to realize that he is um, special, that he is a leader and he, she wants uh, Caleb, Jesse Pinkman, to get from Solomon, the AI, a, a plan to basically for revolution against the plan that Serac has. Um, so, um, yeah, so the end of this episode is basically Solomon gives Jesse the plan on a USB stick. Um, meanwhile, Maeve comes to fight Dolores with a samurai sword, and they have a robot fight, and um, the climax of this episode, kind of from an action perspective, is when Dolores is losing in her fight against Maeve and um, activates an EMP that destroys pretty much all um, robot life, I guess, <laughs> within a certain radius, which means that she sort of deactivates Maeve herself as well as Solomon, the AI. Um, and that's where we're at. Jesse Pinkman is mad against the world. He thinks the world has done him wrong. He's got the plan for some sort of revolution. Yeah, that's what's happening with Westworld. Oh, and in, in the midst of all of this, I forgot, uh, the man in black and Stubbs and Bernard are having their little, little side adventure. It turns out the man in black is apparently an outlier as well. And now the man in black wants to... Um, I'm not entirely sure what his plan is, but I, I think he wants to get revenge on Serac, but he also wants to destroy all hosts, I think. Anyway, what did you guys think? Did you think this story is coherent or not? Do you like the way this story is going? Do you feel like it's thematically resonant? Who wants to start? Well, um... I, I literally have nothing to say about this piece of shit episode. So, um, you know the stories that you make up on the spot? Yeah. It's kind of like this, this, this is how it's going. Um, so basically, and then they went to the AI and the AI gave them a master plan to save the world. Like, that's the end. Like, it just... I, it, I don't know how to put it other than that it's got the it's got it's got the and then and then and then but nothing's really properly developed or organically coming together. It's so weird and the ideas aren't even good. Like the AI gives them a plan and it's thematically weird because I thought the AI was the big bad really of the season, right? The AI is controlling everybody and you know, um dictating their futures so we'll go to another AI like the 
the enemy of this AI because it was its predecessor, and we'll get a plan from that AI. It's you know, just, like, surely no. Surely no. Th- that's it. Look, you know, I thought exactly that because there is a line that Dolores says to Caleb. She says, um, you followed all your na- life, now lead. And I was thinking to myself, hang on, you said that this guy has followed all of his life because he's followed the directions of one AI, basically, right? But now you're telling him to get instructions on a USB stick from another AI, but you're framing it as you're leading now. What? What are you talking about? <laughs> this doesn't make sense. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, I totally agree. Also, the man in black who is now in white, and yet it might be straight jacket white, but it's still white. Because <laughs> <laughs> which, you know, in this very simplistic world, black means bad and white means good, right? Which is why Dolores has been going around in black all this time. Um, Maeve's been in a whole lot of white. So the man in black is now in white and what, he's the saviour? And he's, which I'm not buying, there's no way. This guy has been so evil for so long, he's not the saviour of anything. And what happened to his character development? Because what does he learn after his entire journey? What does he learn? He learns that he should go and destroy the robots. Like, his whole journey was to go from someone who was hurting the robots. Shouldn't he be learning that that's not good, that we don't, we shouldn't hurt sentient robots? Instead, his learning seems to be, I'm going to obliterate these sentient life forms. But now he's in white, which seems to signify that he's meant to be the good guy now. So... I'm again, thematically, character arc-wise, I'm just confused. So I, I think, Anna Jo, what they're trying to achieve is that I think they're trying to be clever and saying, oh, there's no real good and bad, right? As in the lines of good and bad are blurred. Because, you know, Dolores constantly is saying to people, you think I'm the villain, but I'm not the villain. Like, do you know what I mean? She keeps saying this thing, right? So I think they're trying to set up this idea that there's no good and bad and it's just like... What is what is blurred about the man in black? Like he's just pure evil constantly, right? Like, constantly, like what's blurred about him? He's still gonna go and try to destroy these robots, which sure Dolores is a questionable robot, but all the others are pretty cool, right? Like all the Especially others are Bernard. It's like Bernard is like Bernard rescued him. Yeah. It's so weird. So are they trying to say it's Blurred um, by representing someone who's very bad as good. Maybe that's how they're doing it. But it, ah, uh, just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe how bad it's gotten. You know, so much money has been put into this, and so much there is a good solid fandom there, and it's just so bad. I, th- I, yeah. I, yeah, I think the writing is really has become quite. Um, it's become. It has become one of these series where, which is like, and then this happened, and then this happened. Um, yeah. Yeah, like. It, and one last. Sorry, one last thing I want to say about this is Maeve is an above all intelligent, right? Above all defined by her intelligence. The whole point is she injected herself with extra intelligence, so she's more intelligent than even the, the rest of them. I cannot buy the stupidity of the Maeve versus Dolores fight they are clearly allies like they should be allies right like if you used your brain they are better off as allies than they are as enemies because as Dolores says to Maeve you absolutely cannot trust robot heaven in the hands of 
Serac, of course you can't, or any human. And why would Dolores, who's trying to make a home for the robots, why would she destroy Robot Heaven? She's never, ever tried to destroy Robot Heaven. There's no reason to think she would. Clearly, in any intelligible world, Dolores and Maeve are allies. And so why are you expecting me to believe that Maeve is just going to thoughtlessly fight Dolores? Yes, it's really cool to see those fight scenes. Awesome. But you must be joking. Like, well, don't assassinate Maeve's character, which is defined by her intelligence, just to just to allow us to have this Maeve Dolores fight scene. Look, I, I agree. I also agree with that. Um, yeah, I, I feel like the whole Maeve storyline has really been butchered. It's really unclear what she's. I mean, basically, she's saying that she's trying to save Robot Heaven, but all of her actions are like, well. I mean, are you really actually any closer to saving Robot Heaven? Why do you trust this Serac guy at all? Right? Like, yeah, agreed, agreed, fully agreed. Um, Mags, what, what did you think? Um, I was just thinking, out of all the um, scenes in the movie, in the movie, in the episode, I actually enjoyed the Maeve Dolores fight scene the most. Um, not because of um, all the logical fallacies that exist, um, which Anager is described so eloquently, um, but just more from the action perspective. Um, you know, she, in true form, Dolores played the Terminator. Um, and I think, Darren, you were talking about what, I can't remember what the different grades of Terminator are. Maeve and Dolores were kind of taking on the different forms. Yeah. I think so- Dolores is... Arnold Schwarzenegger and Maeve is the one that's the, like, shiny Robert, metal one. Yeah, Robert Patrick. Kind of, like, I mean, basically, they've made, um, like, what's his face? Jesse Pinkman into John Connor. Like, I joked about this. I didn't think they were but actually going to do it's this, right? True. <laughs> like, <coming> what? <laughs> yeah. 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 It, it, so, I think, yeah, I mean... <laughs> The, um, I really enjoyed that fight scene um, where they sort of met each other in the kitchen and then um, and and then ran out into the courtyard and had that fight scene with the um, with the um, the remote control operated gun and the cruise ship. Yeah, I mean, it it's it's just yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, and two women, you know, being badass, fighting one another. And I think the episode was directed by a woman as well. So from that perspective, I thought that was cool. But its contributions to the overall story arc, whether it, you know, was quite minimal, <laughs> whether it actually helped to explain anything further, no, it didn't. The EMP at the end, I mean, come on, that's just ridiculous. But who cares? <laughs> it was there. <laughs> Why not use it? Um so, um, well, you knew yeah. they were going to use it from the moment they walked in because they walk like this is the way this series is written, right? Like they walk in and Dolores is like, "Oh, here is an EMP." That won't have any influence on the rest of this episode, and then they walk on. like as in yeah. everything that they reference, they use at some point, right? It's like a video game, right? Yeah. Like so, and, and then that like the um, little video that Sirak left for his brother. Like, why would he leave this video for his brother? What is that even meant to represent or mean? Like, but about his plan and how that contributes overall to explaining all the reasons why he's doing what he's doing. Um, 
And all the people who are sort of lying there in stasis, they've collected over time and they're just cryogenically frozen. Why? That makes I just don't get it. I don't understand why they would cryogenically freeze these people who apparently are troublesome to humanity's fate. So are you um, saying that why wouldn't they just cap them and be done with it? Yeah, well, just yeah, just kill them. I mean, if you're if you're saying that these people are dangerous to society and you don't want to imprison them in, in the sense of putting them in jail because they technically haven't broken the law, but they've disappeared somehow and they're being recorded in official records as deceased, why have you frozen them? Like, what, what's the purpose for that? That must have cost a fortune. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they—they've but also yeah. shown that they're not above. Electricity bill. It's very environmentally unsustainable. <laughs> well, but they've also shown that they're not above just murdering people, right? So, so sorry. Yeah, it just—it makes no sense. Um, yeah, and then the the final thing that I thought was hilarious because I just love now. I, like, I know Maeve used to be my favourite character. Stubbs is now my favourite character. How, in, like, that scene with oh, the man yes. in, oh, in white, you know, and, like, he and uh, Bernard are having this tat-a-tat <laughs> about the plan um, and the man in white's purpose. And, um, and Bernard was trying to find some kind of data and he couldn't find it. So Stubbs was kind of, like, pushed him aside and went, Leave it to me. And within a minute, he found it, because apparently that's his purpose on the park. <laughs> I mean, come on. Like, it's just... <laughs> it was so dumb. It really was so yeah. dumb. Like, I, you know, it's it's kind of charming in some ways how badly Stubbs and Bernard are written now. But, like... <laughs> also, like, I mean, that entire scene with the man in black, and Bernard is literally standing there. Like, if you rewatch the episode, there's a scene where Bernard is standing there, literally giving ex- exposition to the man in black, right? Like, as if he were the audience of the show, right? It's like, oh, Serac so created this thing, and there are these things called outliers, and these outliers sort of break the model down, which is why Serac has been re-educating them or putting them on ice in Sonora, Mexico. And it's just like, oh, come on. Are you really, really? That's how you're going to write this? You're literally going to write the guy explaining it to another guy like a grade schooler. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was not well executed. Um, uh, Jerry, do you have anything you want to say after your initial... Tantrum? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, you know, truth be told, no, because like when yeah. as the credits rolled and the preview for next week came up, next week being the finale, of course, I just thought to myself, well, I, I just could not care less. I mean, I am so. Is next over... week the finale? Yeah, next week is okay, the finale. Okay, that's a burden. Yeah. The season has been. It's a it's it's, show, it's so. irredeemably bad. Yeah. Like there there is. I don't think there is anything they could do, no narrative trick they could pull, no redemptive arc they could attempt to save this absolute shithouse dumpster fire of a season of television. Uh, Look, I I think this will belong in the annals of bad TV up there with, you know, final season of Lost, final season of How I Met Your Mother, final season of Game of Thrones as one of the most truly abysmal, you know, sort of long-form, serialised examples of bad televisual storytelling 
one could possibly conceive of. I don't know what the showrunners were thinking. I don't know how they broke the story down before the season uh, started shooting, but whatever it was that went on in that writer's room, it was a flaming disaster of the highest order. And it's got to the point where I'm no longer even – I'm just – I'm no longer offended by the show. I mean, midway through this season, I was. Like, I was just offended by how stupid this show was and how it took us all for complete fools and uh, and and just you know thought he could get away with doing things that were utterly pedestrian. But I'm I'm past the point of being offended by this show. I'm just sort of like bored and sick of it. It has just worn out its welcome. Next week is the end. Please go. Please leave us alone. Please never come back. And Jonah Nolan and Lisa Joy. <laughs> Please, whatever you do, make sure you never pitch an idea to another HBO executive again because the last thing you deserve is another attempt at redeeming your artistic and creative reputations after sending it alight in the manner that you have. This has been an utter shit show overseas. <laughs> and quite frankly, all involved should hang their heads in shame. Now, I used to, I used to think that people like the cast – should at, least, should at least be applauded for their performances. But no, I think they should hang their heads in shame as well because it seems like no one stood up and put their hand up, you know, during the sort of read-throughs before the season was shooting and said, look, um, this is a bit shite, when it was so obviously shite. <laughs> just, just two more things. Um, Caleb's serious face was really bad acting. And secondly, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's the intense face, right? He's that intense face. Of, yeah. yeah. I laughed. And yeah. secondly, who? It's so implausible. What government or bad bad guy would pay $3 million to get one inconsequential person to shoot another inconsequential person? Like, <laughs> is that a point where they get offered like $3 million, whatever it is, to, for, for them to turn on each other and yeah. shoot each other? Yeah, well, I guess the, the uh, implication is that Serac, like, because he can, he knows what the stock market is going to do tomorrow, he doesn't care, <laughs> right? So he could just, like, um, yeah. Just throw money at the problem. He just throws money at the problem. I mean, you would think that, like, if he was able to do that, like, the authorities would be like, hang on, something is going on here, because... This guy is trading with a level of accuracy that is that is abnormal. <laughs> but anyway, I, mean, I, I think I think the character of Caleb Nichols has been a massive misfire. They obviously hired Aaron Paul because they remembered the intensity with which he shouted at Walter White and Saul Goodman in the final two seasons of um, of Breaking Bad, and thought that sort of intense torment tormented rage is exactly what we need in this character. But the thing is, there is nothing. I mean, there is nothing credible for him to be tormented or ragey about. And so, you know what he, you know what he seemed, you know what he seemed like during the course of this episode, where we find out his arc is, you know, ex-military and then reconditioned and then pumped out to become a killing machine and then have his memory wiped. He was just shit-ass Jason Bourne. That's what he was in this episode, and it was just, it was just so frustrating to watch because, you know. The allusion is definitely there. And when you remember just how awesome the Bourne movies were, were at least three out of the four of them, um, well, three out of the five, uh, to see this plot rehashed um, with, with insufficient writing, with Aaron Paul not able to master his best, was just, you know, kind of sad. Yeah. And so one couldn't help but feel a bit bad for him and just think, you know, you guys, 
you guys are now going to have to wear the mark of Westworld, Westworld for the rest of your careers. So take that, Evan Rachel Wood. Take that, Aaron Paul. Take that, Tandy Newton. Take that, Ed Harris. All of you, all of you, just wandering the earth for the rest of your lives, wearing the brand of Westworld because you've just, you because because no one had the courage to stand up to the writing team and say, hold on, please. This is shite. Well, to be fair, even I think the reality is that a lot of the time, even when actors stand up to the writing team, nothing happens, right? I, so, uh, well, yeah. I'm so, say, like, this, I, this is... <laughs> um, I mean, I know that, for example, there's been a lot of stories about how Mark Hamill thought that his character had been butchered in The Last Jedi, um, but that didn't really have an effect. <laughs> so, look, yeah, I, I, I have more I have more sympathy for the actors, right? Because they're there for a paycheck, so... Yeah, well, I mean, you know, if, 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 that's, all that, if, if that's all that sort of motivated them in turning up for this season, then, you know, sort of they got exactly what they deserve because <laughs> this is just... They, I mean, you know, sort of we have seen... I, I, look, I, you know, sort of before season three of Westworld, Jonah Nolan was the co-writer of all the Dark Knight Batman movies. He was Christopher Nolan's great artistic collaborator. Now, he's just a joke, as he should be. Well, look, I mean, I, I think in fairness, I, I, I think the thing is that I, I feel like what's actually happened here is that um, the sense that I get from Jonathan Nolan is that he has very high... He has, like, lots of high-level concepts, Right. I think they basically gave... Because if you look at the writing, none of the writing credits are directly attributed to them. I think what they probably did was that they went into the writer's room and just said, okay, so for this show, I'm going to be the executive producer, I'm going to do all the producing stuff and the money stuff. Here's a high level of what we think should happen. You guys execute on it. The end, right? I, I do feel like the issue with this season is not necessarily... I mean, look... The concepts, in some ways, are fine. It's just been executed and written in such a poor way and such an inorganic way that it feels farcical, right? Um, yeah, so I, I honestly think that the fault is probably not necessarily theirs directly from a creative perspective, but it's more from a producing perspective that they didn't... Like, whoever was in charge of the writer's room or whatever it is, they didn't... Like, they didn't really pay sufficient attention to the detail of the writing um, to actually get this season to work, right? Like, they just kind of felt that if you, they threw these elements of plot together, that the season would automatically work and the high concept would come together, but it's clearly not the case. Um, yeah, I, I, like, I, I think one of the key things that really falls flat for me is, look, I, I completely agree that Caleb's story just completely feels... Um, inorganic. He, it doesn't. It's really unclear why his mode, like why he is, like firstly, how he, why he would follow Dolores to Mexico, given what happened last episode. It's just like, what are you doing? And secondly, just the way he is so easily led into this idea of, oh, okay, there's just going to be this revolution, and then I'm just going to follow this USB stick and do this revolution thing, right? It's really weird. And the other thing for me that is super weird about this episode is this idea that for Serac's plan to work, he has to lock up and put on ice all these people, right? 
it seems like his plan is really fragile, right? I, I, I don't know if you guys get that sense, but it feels like the way Serac talks about it is that there is one path for humanity to take to survive, and if humanity doesn't take that path, like, everything falls apart and we're going to die, right? So, you would think that to do revolution, it would be really easy, because... Like, if this model is so bloody fragile, you do one tiny little thing, you're done, you've blown up the model, the end, see you later. So it, it just, like, I mean, like this, I don't know, I don't know how they're going to explain it away. I, I just feel the entire setup, the motivation for Caleb's character, the whole idea of having this, like, revolution on a USB stick, it, it's really quite sort of childish in some ways, right? Um... So basically, my reaction to this season of Westworld is that... Uh, I think I've said this before, and I'll just reiterate it. It's like, I don't... It, this is just a dumb TV show now, right? Like an action drama TV show. That's what it is, right? It's like, um, sort of like a dumb sci-fi show, or whatever it is. Um, and so, yeah, I, I thought it was fine for a dumb sci-fi show, because dumb sci-fi shows don't really think through the consequences of what it is that they're really presenting. They don't really need to have any deep thematic resonance. They might bring up a theme sort of casually and then sort of say, okay, we've addressed it. Um, yeah, and for me, like, as a dumb sci-fi show, it works perfectly fine, right? Like, as in, I think that, like, the actions... I, I, I genuinely like the action scene. So, like, I, I think in defense of Evan Rachel Wood, um, I thought she was really good in the action scene, right? Like, I, I think there are some actors that... Um, they don't quite get the physicality of action scenes, right? As in, you can see when the actor is in there because the, the way they move, they don't feel like a trained fighter or... Um, I, I think you definitely get that when Maeve is swinging the katana sword. It looks a little bit, like, stilted, right? <laughs> um, Supposedly, Evan Rachel Wood is a black belt, so... Yeah, uh, oh, well, you can tell. Yeah, she, she's, she has she's, a natural facility for that sort of physical action and that sort of movement so she 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 exhibits a level of grace and ease in her movement that tandy newton doesn't yeah for sure like i definitely felt that right like i thought that action scene was the saving if saving grace is probably too strong but it was like i agree with mags that i felt that action scene was a highlight of the episode. I thought it was a really interesting action scene because they had the drones flying around. They couldn't leave the shed because then the, the drones would snipe them and they had this sort of up-close knife fight or, or sword fight um, in this shed, right? Yeah. And I thought, yeah, I agree. I thought that Evan Rachel would definitely look like she knew what she was doing, right? The movements flowed. It was like, it was a cool, like, knife fight scene. I thought it was awesome. And it's interesting that you bring up that she's like a black belt because she definitely feels like she's trained, right? So I think in some ways, like that fight scene is like Evan Rachel Wood is probably a credible action hero, right? Like she could do some sort of action role pretty well. So um, good on her for showing that because up to this point, Dolores has basically been running around like the Terminator. She hasn't really had to like execute any real action stuff. She's just stood there and like pointed guns at people and shot them. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so I thought that was fun. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that I, I'm not entirely sure how this season is going to resolve itself. And to be honest, I think it's not going to resolve itself in a particularly well thought out way. Um, yeah, last week I had a hypothesis for how things were going to resolve itself. And 
I don't think I'm right. Like watching this episode, I don't think we're moving in that direction at all. I think it'll, I think it'll be a sort of dumb action resolution and some sort of dumb revolutionary plot thing that they're. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I think we're headed towards like this Mexican standoff involving uh, Caleb with a revivified and revived Dolores, and then. We've got Maeve brought back to life by uh, Serac, and then the, the men in black, the man in black, come to to wipe them all out. And uh, and so what is obviously what is very obvious about this season is that the uh, producers had an endpoint in mind, namely some sort of tripartite Mexican standoff, and tried very very hard to move the chess pieces towards that end in ways that were really really forced, really really artificial. And meant that uh, they sacrificed uh, any sense of narrative logic. Mm, mm, yeah, and at the same time, like they had these lofty ambitions of these deep themes that would run through it to make us think. But instead, they've given us a season of television where you've had the themes blatantly read out to you, which actually makes the thematic resonance less because you're not um, inclined to think about it, right? Like you. You don't sort of sit there... Like, I remember in Season 1 or in Season 2 of Westworld, there were certain episodes that we sat in on this podcast, and we talked about those themes, right? Whether they were done perfectly or not is a separate question, but I felt like, as a show that made you think and made you sort of debate some of these themes, like, previous seasons of Westworld actually made you think, right? I I think that Delos... The episode with Jim Delos in particular is one that sticks in my mind, right? But this season... We had so much fun talking about, like, doing the thinking part in the the first two seasons. Like, Daryl didn't have much fun doing it, but I think the rest of the three of us had fun, like, talking about what it could all mean and where it could all be going. Yeah, I miss that. Yeah. One of the reasons why it didn't seem particularly fun to me was there was always this sense that there was actually nothing that the showrunners had to say about those things despite touching on them. And, look, I'm not one for saying I told you so, but um, <laughs> I think I told you so. <laughs> the most of that is that, you know, for a little while, it seemed as if this show was really interested in the notion of humans creating their own gods. Why? That's a very heavy question, one that I don't think the medium of visual storytelling is really sort of cut out for exploring but like let 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 let's cut them some slack for for their ambition then you, the thing is though that um they abandon that any interest in that story pretty quickly i mean it's been at least two or three episodes since the show last exhibited any interest in the no, in the idea of how humans create their own gods yes we've got we've got solomon and rehoboam still um you know iphone 10 versus iphone 11 but like it's it, it's just not at all something that the show is willing to delve into because the show isn't interested in mining in in mining the depths of hum, human psychology in order to figure out what it is about human yeah. beings that leads them so much towards uh, that, that 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 is sort of invested them with this impulse to create their gods. Uh, not interested about that, not interested in that at all, because they're just not interested in the way human beings work, the way human beings think, the way human beings in real situations really behave. And so um, 
they've just sort of cast that question aside. And I don't know what they're trying to say now, frankly. I don't know what theme they're actually exploring. Um, yeah. And so, uh, you know, yeah, this I, is a really, it's a really hollow experience as a consequence. Yes, 100% agree. I, I don't think that they're really exploring anything, any theme. I think they are making the pretense of exploring themes, but really this is just a plot-driven chess piece moving device, right? So... Anyway, it's it's disappointing for me, um, but it is a very different show now. Like, um, I mean, Gerald would have said it was a very different show in season two already, but um, yeah, I, I definitely feel like this season in particular, it's it feels like a completely different show. Would you agree with that, Anja? Do, do you feel like it's a completely different show? Yeah, and I knew it was going to be from the previews, but I thought it would be a completely different good show. And I don't agree that it's even mindless fun sci-fi. Like, mindless fun sci-fi has something going for it, like really awesome characters, or it's just funny, or it's fun. or it's, like, This isn't really any of these things, except for the action sequences, which um, are often good. That's, yeah. But yeah. I agree, it is a different... It's completely different. It's not just set in a different world. It's just... The, the characters are not the same anymore. The, the, <laughs> what the show is trying to tell us is not, it's not there anymore. It's completely different. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, is there anything else we want to say about this penultimate episode of Westworld Season 3? I think we've said quite a lot, actually, about not a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> look, I, I just want to say, look, it is really telling that you know, this show has gone from, in this household at least, event television, <laughs> right, to something we have to get out of the way really quickly on a Monday night so that we can watch Michael Jordan on Netflix. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fair. Like, as I said, I think last week, we, I have to rewatch the episode every week before we podcast because it just leaves so little impression on me. Like, it, it's crazy how little impression this show leaves on me. Um yeah, it genuinely feels like throwaway TV to me now, which is sad. It really is sad, because I was a fan of this show. Um, so, yeah. Okay, well, it's the last episode. Ne- next yeah, week. Next week, we can attend the funeral. Um, we can all wear black. And, yeah, we, can, and we, can, we can say goodbye. Administer the restriction to this unctuous load of crap. <laughs> Well, yep, that's that's right. Next week we'll be back for the final episode of Westworld season three. Join us then. Thanks every everybody for joining me tonight. Say bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Oh.